Greetings. Welcome to the Bitcoin Magazine podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Graham. Today, we're talking with Max Caden, CEO of HODL HODL, a peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange that doesn't hold funds. But first, let's take a quick look at the news. The peer-to-peer Bitcoin marketplace, Paxful, is looking to expand adoption in Latin America, teaming up with Mexico-based money conversion service AirTM. Through the partnership, the two will allow users to buy and sell BTC from their Paxful accounts and use AirTM's payment methods. The partners say they hope to introduce Bitcoin to 300,000 new customers in the region, including places like Venezuela, where Bitcoin can offer a powerful alternative to the available fiat currency. But not all the recent news around peer-to-peer Bitcoin transactions has been positive. One of the largest exchanges in the world, local Bitcoins, may not be considered peer-to-peer as previously thought. Speaking of local Bitcoins, they've ran into several legal difficulties over the last several months. Most recently, a U.S. citizen has been sentenced to fines and prison time for running unlicensed exchange services on local Bitcoins. This marks a continued uptrend from the U.S. federal authorities in prosecuting Bitcoin traders. In April, the DOJ sentenced another trader to prison time and an $800,000 fine for similar charges. In both cases, LocalBitcoins.com was mentioned by the DOJ as the mechanism used by both defendants to advertise their service. At the end of May, the exchange withdrew all services from Iran to comply with U.S. sanctions. And at the beginning of June, several users have reported that local bitcoins no longer allows anonymous transactions. A report published by the CME Group shows that last month was their Bitcoin futures product's most successful month since it launched in 2017. The report shows that the average daily volume was up 36% since April and 250% year over year. In total, 223 new trading accounts were added in May. CME's report is one more sign that legacy investors are easing into crypto. In addition to Fidelity's digital asset platform, which launched in March, and ICE's Bitcoin futures platform, BACK, which will test in July, NASDAQ and the crypto data provider CryptoCompare have partnered to release a cryptocurrency pricing product for institutional investors. So, big banks are coming. In a feature roundup from Bitcoin Magazine's Colin Harper, a picture of Bitcoin's gradually increasing usability emerged. In it, he highlights some of the applications, services, and pieces of hardware that are now available to let users more easily participate in the Bitcoin network. Included in the roundup were hardware wallets from Ledger and Trezor, Casa's pre-sync Bitcoin nodes, coin tumbling service CoinJoin, and the BTC reward service Lolly. If you followed some of the recent news around cryptocurrency exchanges, you might have noticed that the peer-to-peer Bitcoin exchange, Local Bitcoins, has had a wide array of legal difficulties over the last several months. Breaking from its tradition for privacy, the peer-to-peer exchange has mandated customers to follow KYC standards. In late May, Local Bitcoins announced it was completely withdrawing its services from Iran. And with recent scrutiny and prosecution of unlicensed cryptocurrency exchanges by U.S. authorities, a business model pivot or withdrawal for U.S. customers seems imminent for local Bitcoins. With these changes in mind, many Bitcoin users are speculating over what alternatives they have for peer-to-peer cryptocurrency markets. To understand the current regulatory atmosphere and opportunity for peer-to-peer exchanges, we sat down with Max Caden, CEO of HodlHodl. Hey, Max. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure. To start off, can you tell us about HodlHodl? How does it work? We are peer-to-peer non-custodial exchange. Um, 
to be to to explain in like more easier way we're uh, in between local bitcoins and bisc in that sense that we are web-based as local bitcoins but we have non-custodial um traits and we we have non uh non-custodial uh infrastructure built uh, in huddle huddle so in that sense we don't hold any funds uh, nor crypto nor fiat instead uh, and that's the main difference for hodl hodl from uh, our main competitors such as local bitcoins or paxful um, each time the trade happening between buyer and seller we create a unique multi-signature address on the bitcoins blockchain with three signatures where one signature goes to the seller one signature goes to the buyer and one signature goes to the hodl hodl in case of dispute so uh, and to release those funds from the escrow you need actual two signatures so you need to reach a consensus um so there's like game theory behind that because you need to reach a consensus and also um when the seller deposits bitcoins into that escrow he won't be able to return them back if he for example already receives the fiat from the buyer and uh, on the other hand the buyer won't be able to get those coins uh, without sending fiat so you need to send fiat you need to receive a confirmation and then both of the parties involved in that contract seller and the buyer they sign the release transaction and funds are uh, locked out to uh, wallet of the buyer so basically all trades on hodl hodl happens through multi-signature addresses or through bitcoin based smart contracts as you prefer to name it so the responsibility of every transaction falls on the user uh of course there's responsibility on the trader so you before you start we always ask you to provide a proper wallet address where the coins should be deposited out of escrow they should be returned out of escrow if for example you didn't receive the fiat so in that case we rely on um, on our traders or on our consumers because um, you know as we say in bitcoin um, it, we provide you tools to be your own bank but nobody told you that being your own bank is easy you need to do your own research you need to educate yourself and we provide a tons of educational materials on huddle huddle screencast guides um bitcoin quiz whatever so um before you trade and we actually have a pretty like solid ui ux so it's easy to use us it's easy to understand there's like uh hints always hidden so you you can read what these lines mean what this means what what is requested from you so basically we always provide you with support and help so it's easy to use us actually a lot of people using huddle huddle they don't understand that they're not trading through our centralized storage which we don't have uh, they're just trading through that this multi-signature uh, escrow accounts so huddle huddle is run by you and your team so what's the difference between your exchange and some of the other more decentralized ones we are sort of mix between centralized and decentralized uh, you might consider that having a team behind the project uh, CEO, cto and, and and managers 
uh, is uh, part of the centralized uh, history or part of centralized uh, like characteristics of 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 the um, of the project. But to be honest, I think that the main thing why uh, we believe that we're not purely decentralized is that we have a servers, so we are web based. Um, that means that at some point, um, of course, like uh, as we see in Russia with local bitcoins, um, Russian of official authorities restricted local bitcoins, but there still are people are using through VPN and Tor and all other stuff using local bitcoins. So I think uh, we're centralized in that way that we have a, that we're web based, and because if you compare with purely decentralized exchange, which is BISC uh it's a software so you download it on your machine and you work from your machine so the software cannot be shut down but to be honest even in decentralized projects there's always a lead team behind any project so it's um i think it's to in in uh, in my opinion it's nonsense to believe that there's no uh people or or team of developers or team of decision makers uh, within uh, any even decentralized project or the project that claims that it's decentralized because you know you always need uh, there are people who are making decision or at least proposing something uh, i think that the only decentralized thing out there is btc itself so bitcoin is decentralized but if we speak about the project development doubt that it will be able at some point Local Bitcoins has pulled out of Iran, and Hodel Hodel recently announced that they would welcome those Iranian traders with Farsi translation and a discounted exchange rate. Did your team foresee this happening, or was it more of a reactionary measure? Well, actually, we expect we expected, and one of the reasons why we started Hodel Hodel that we understood that. Due to the fact that uh, on local bitcoins you trade through their wallet, so basically they process your crypto, uh, we expected that at some point they will be forced to imply KYC ML on their users, and this will lead to some consequences. Uh, in terms of Iranians, no, we didn't expect that, although we have a foresee translation already for a month or even more, uh, but it was added like just one of the languages that we have. We have Russian, for example, we have um, Thai language, we have Japanese language on Holohol, just one of the languages. So we didn't expect that they will shut down the service for Iranians. Um, as to um, like regarding the Iran and this case with local Bitcoins, what we wanted always to point out that uh, we actually would like to serve the regular people, not governments or institutions. And Iranians are very interested in, in Bitcoin and curious and are willing to learn more about and they're deserved, uh, in, our, in our opinion, they deserve quality, non-custodial and safe services like ours. Also, um, so far, we, we believe that we're strictly within the framework of law in all of the countries we are operating in. So um, our main goal with Hodl Hodl initially was to help people in countries such as Iran or Venezuela, well, you name it, to achieve more individual freedom by being used by being by being able to use Bitcoin. So 
we didn't expect that, but we reacted uh, quite, I think, quite successfully to that story. So, yeah, and um, I think it's, so far it went well. Do you know much about the Bitcoin landscape in Iran? We actually have um, the person who was translating Hodl uh, Hodl um, to Farsi language or to Persian language. Um, he was uh, advising us uh, to some extent. So we are not familiar with that. And um, to be honest, we still yet to see any trades happening on Hodl Hodl. With uh, with Iran, but um, we are going to learn that. Where do you see them as viable use cases for Bitcoin in places like Iran? I think that uh, there's a, there are many use cases for Bitcoin, but now, unfortunately, uh, to say at least, we see that in some countries, actually, the main use case of Bitcoin is survival. If you will see at Venezuela. The use case of Bitcoin in Venezuela is basically providing tools for people to survive, where you have government printed uh, currency, which is inflating at the rate like several thousands per year. And on the other hand, you have Bitcoin and basically it's only tool to survive. So I think that, that um, a part of saying this uh, regular stuff like providing financial freedom, et cetera, et cetera, uh, I think it's the use case is uh, to bank on banked and to help people in maybe less um, developed countries um, to like catch the wave or of new financial ph- phenomenon or new financial revolution that Bitcoin provides. So I think uh, that's the use case of Bitcoin becoming the global currency for anyone. How do you see Bitcoin regulations shaping up in Iran and other countries with heavy sanctions? Um, I don't know, to be honest, (laughs) because, you know, uh, well, there's uh, I will give you an example of Russia, uh, the market that we're familiar more with. Um, Russia is under sanctions already, like for how much for three, four years. Um, And. it would be logical to embrace Bitcoin or crypto in general because it will help you to avoid uh, sanctions. Yet, uh, they're only about to introduce a proper regulation. And we don't know what will be the regulation, crypto regulation in Russia. We just can like guess whether it will be positive or whether it will be negative, etc., etc. So uh, I think it's... Um, up to government of that country to decide. But as I mentioned previously, Bitcoin and HODL HODL goal is to serve regular people, not governments or or not institutions. So um, I don't know. Um, I hope that there will be more and more governments that will actually embrace Bitcoin and will understand the value proposition of Bitcoin. But uh, we will see. So I'm thinking of the new international standards for exchanges that will soon soon come out from the Financial Action Task Force. What would tighter regulatory requirements mean for HODL HODL? Well, um, if we will, um, for example, we don't operate in U.S. Um, uh, we can touch on this later, mm-hmm. but uh, um, it's actually worth looking at the latest SAC 
or Security Exchange Commission regulation that actually categorize non-custodial wallet providers, which we can be and which we are as HODL HODL, uh, as exempt from money transmitter licenses and regulations. So um, we are actually non-custodial service by design and it is impossible for us to send the bitcoins locked in escrow by our users anywhere because the users hold the private key necessary to sign to sign transaction as i mentioned and as i described previously we don't consider ourselves as centralized exchange again um we are we might be considered a centralized service with decentralized storage so we don't touch crypto we don't process it we don't have any wallets we don't take crypto from uh, Alice and send it to Bob. We don't do that. They work peer-to-peer -peer purely. So for us, uh, regulations that implies on the centralized exchanges is a regulation that basically implies on the centralized exchanges because because we don't we we aren't uh, we aren't a centralized exchange. We are exchange which with the centralized storage peer-to-peer non-custodial so i don't know how it will work out maybe it will create an uh, like flow of customers from centralized services to decentralized services who knows but um uh, there's there's like huge difference between centralized exchanges and decentralized exchanges in that sense that uh, centralized exchanges are used mostly by uh, day traders who require the frequency of trading, uh, while decentralized op op decentralized options are mostly used by either these are OTC traders who trade large volumes, and if your decentralized exchange is uh, secure enough that they will use your escrow services, or it's people who are just willing to acquire one BTC or like fraction of BTC or they want to sell without any additional like burden and uh, without sending any additional to like third party. Because HODL HODL doesn't hold users' wallets, does it also mitigate some of the risks in large-scale hacks? Yeah, because we don't hold any funds. And again, as I mentioned, we uh, each time the trades open, we just create a multi-sig uh, address on the public bitcoins blockchain and uh, so if we are even if holo is hacked the hacker will be able to get only one key out of three and to release coins from escrow usually there are like many escrow because many trades are happening in the same time so um you need two keys actually to each escrow two unique keys to each escrow not like two keys that that uh, open up uh, all the escrow accounts so uh, in that sense why holo holo is quite popular among otc traders because uh, in the, these trades we serve as an escrow agent so they use our technical solution to trade because they believe that this technical solution provide better security as uh, they will trade with any third party and they they must deposit like huge amount of btc and um, trust some kind of third party without even knowing their security procedures or all that stuff so in that case you just trade through the multi-sig escrow address the system is built in that way that you don't need to trust us or you don't need to trust your peer 
uh, you just deposit uh, these coins and you wait for uh, fiat payment to arrive to your banking account or any account that you provide uh, within like you within the payment method that you choose. Back to the reason why I can't actually use Hodl Hodl. Why aren't you guys in the U.S.? For us, it's a legal risk to operate within U.S. Although, as I mentioned, like the latest regulation from Security Exchange Commission stated that uh, all non-custodial wallet providers are exempt from money transmitter licensing regulation. But uh, at the moment, we actually open up our testnet for um, U.S. Uh, citizens and people with U.S. APIs. Uh, so you can go to the testnet of HODL HODL, especially uh, on our lightning powered testnet and try. And we're actually considering of returning back to US. And um, now we are discussing this with the um, team of legal experts, because uh, the funny thing is that although we're, you won't be able to use HODL HODL, you can still enter the website and you can still check it out. And um, the most popular, actually, country uh, that visited Hodl Hodl during the course of, of, of our project is actually U.S. So we see like 30, 25, 30 percent of visitors are coming from U.S. to Hodl Hodl. So um, and brand is well recognized within U.S. crypto community as well. So um, we are considering to return to U.S. Um, maybe with some other interesting developments that will allow us to mitigate the risks, the legal risks. And um, so, yeah, we hope that um, we will have some good news for our U.S. followers, uh, U.S.-based followers and people that like us in upcoming months. At the beginning of May, Hodl Hodl launched Lightning Network-enabled payments on its testnet. When is that going to be live for users? So it's 3rd of June. We will launch lightning powered trades on mainnet. So you like, not you because you are based in the US, but uh, all, all other people will be able to start trading uh, through lightning on Hodo Hodo. Why we did that? Because we really believe in the potential of this technology. First of all, and um, uh, we want to provide our customers not only with secure peer-to-peer -peer trades, but also with fast and cheap peer-to-peer -peer trades. So Lightning will allow us to do that. So we will have, like, from 3rd of June, we will have two modes on HODL HODL. Uh, one will be, like, the regular mode, uh, trading through multi-signature uh, addresses. And another one will be Lightning mode, where you will be able to trade from your Lightning wallet and receive coins to your Lightning wallet. Because the Lightning network is so new, I've heard people comment on how it could have liquidity problems right out of the gate. Since you're the first peer-to-peer -peer exchange enabling Lightning payments, could you sort of explain potential liquidity problems? Well, as, as this technology is quite young and even Lightning developers, they say that uh, you shouldn't risk uh, with big amounts. So there will be like, and, and Lightning, to be honest, uh, is yet to become consumer friendly. Uh, 
well, well, crypto is yet to become consumer friendly in general, and Lightning especially is yet to become. It's a powerful, powerful technology, but it's still like developing. Uh, not only in terms of security, not only in terms of uh, like adoption within the crypto community, but also in terms of providing a proper UI UX for for general customers. So um, in that sense, um, the liquidity will be uh, yet will be problem because it will be most most probably it will be Lightning will be used by the crypto community and by even not by everyone within the crypto community yet, because we see that uh, you need it, it needs some time to actually launch properly and to start working properly. Uh, as for liquidity problems for any peer-to-peer exchange, uh, well, of course, there's a problem with liquidity for basically a lot of peer-to-peer exchanges. And for HODL, HODL, it's always been a problem. Why? Because we are still quite young. We launched in, in the February 2018. So it's like one year and three months since our launch. And... Uh, we didn't invest uh, anything in marketing because we, we truly believe that if your product is a proper product, then most in most use cases, you will be well-known, you will be respected, and people will come by recommendation or by word of mouth to your platform. And we actually see that after one year of hard work, we see that now, amount of users and boarding with HODL HODL is actually increasing uh, quite significantly. So now for any peer-to-peer exchange, liquidity is a problem. Because if you have a centralized exchange, you can basically find an investor who will fund your liquidity pool within this exchange. And if you have a peer-to-peer exchange, you need to find uh, like enormous amount of sellers and match them with enormous amount of buyers from the, from the other sites, which is hard. Max, how did you even get into Bitcoin? Uh, I was actually working uh, in private banking and uh, as a wealth manager. So I'm like for 10 years, I had a career in banking. I've been introduced to Bitcoin by my one of my clients in 2013. And it's at that point, I actually thought that the guy was literally crazy because he was like saying that uh, like in a few years that there will be no need for any middleman. I will be able to send like millions of money to my friends in Brazil or anywhere in the world without paying any enormous fees, without going through the NKYCML procedures and without like without any burden that, that uh, it might arrive in a few days, not like just the same day. So I thought, uh, well, it's funny, but it's not, he's not serious about that. And, uh, but at that point, I started to research the topic. And actually, in 2015, <laughs> he invited me to join his team, uh, his project, uh, which was a Bitcoin project. And... Um, yeah, so I, I in, since 2015, I'm in crypto. And um, actually, one of the reasons was not only uh, his invitation, but also at some point sitting in my office in the bank, I understood that there's actually might be a possibility that there will be no need for a middleman 
uh, in the future. So I, I, I thought what I'm doing here, because I'm the middleman. <laughs> and um, so I went out of the banks and joined uh, the crypto. Okay, tell us about the prediction product you guys are launching. So uh, we're kind of making an announcement here. <laughs> um, so the prediction is basically a non-custodial Bitcoin peer-to-peer prediction market. So again, we use the same technology that we use uh, within HODL-HODL, multi-signature escrow addresses. Um, so you will be able like, uh, to come to our prediction market. You will be able to create prediction. Let's say you will create a prediction that price of Bitcoin on the 1st of June on Coinbase exchange at, I don't know, 10 a.m. Pacific time will be higher than 10,000. You will publish this offer or this prediction on our platform. And for example, me, I will go to that platform. I will see your prediction and I will disagree with that. Um, and each one of us will lock in the amount of BTC that is requested by original offers. So you would say, I, I can literally like bet um, 0.5 BTC on that prediction. And I will say, okay, uh, I will make the same, uh, the same amount of BTC we'll put in that contract and we will see who is right, who's wrong. And at 1st of June, when we will see the price, whether it's bigger than 10,000 on Coinbase or it's lower than 10,000, um, the winner will take it all. How's it different from Augur? Well, first of all, we are based on Bitcoin. That's the first one. That's, I think, one of the core differences. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, we don't have, we don't try to decentralize oracles, what Augur is trying to do. So um, we will still have a multi-signature um, escrow where you will deposit BTC, I will deposit BTC, and each one of us will have a key to, the, to, to this escrow. And of course, prediction platform, HODL-HODL's prediction platform will have a key. So in case of the dispute, when you will say, I disagree, and I will say, I disagree, HODL-HODL, prediction or oracle will came into uh, that dispute and they would solve either in one direction or in another direction. Uh, so we are not trying to decentralize oracle. Um, and also uh, our prediction market is purely peer to peer. So basically it's a prediction between two parties. It's a, it's not a prediction between like, hundred people from one side and other people from different side that actually like, you know, uh, which, which sometimes affects the odds and sometimes it's affect the stakes that are out there. So um, it's actually like pretty interesting tool and um, there's nothing similar in, 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 in Bitcoin. And, and we believe that there's nothing similar in crypto in general. Oh, and of course, we didn't make any ICO to fund our project, so, <laughs> uh, which, is, which is like one of the main advantages because, you know, ICO is a low, always a legal threat. It's always a problem. And um, we've built that purely on based on our resources that we have. So the Oracle validates the winners and losers of any given prediction. Will that Oracle be an AI or a human? 
No, it, uh, it will be a person. Uh, it is a person, actually. It's our support. That's why we state on our prediction market that your prediction should be precise and you should correctly state uh, um, that, uh, for example, if we, if we return back to that use case of Bitcoin price prediction, you should state the precise currency, the precise exchange, the precise uh, price that you believe will uh, be like, will Bitcoin price will go bigger than, I don't know, 10,000 or it will be smaller than 10,000 and the precise date and time so that we have like solid co prediction contract based on the facts, which we can double check because the price of uh, BTC on, on uh, any particular exchange, you always can double check that. And of course, uh, due to that fact, we will always we will also have a pre-moderated uh, some of our offers and some of your predictions that you will publish in our prediction platform will be pre-moderated. Uh, and we will see how people actually formulate these predictions because we don't you, you don't want to appear in a dispute where one party says. I predicted that there will be snow in New York and another party says, well, in my part of New York, there's no snow, so I won. And uh, another party will say, well, in my part of New York, there is snow, so I won. So we are going to avoid this unprecise and um, to, to say for, for us unlogical predictions. So we want to like to... To people, uh, to, to people to predict like uh, some factual things that, that can be easily verified. Max, are you going to make any predictions? Of course, I'm going to make a prediction. I'm, I, I'm. You will be also able to, for example, to predict uh, an outcome of sports games. So I'm a big fan of uh, Chelsea Football Club, and most probably I will have some predictions on on there. Uh, games next year because this year the season is over in Premier League uh, and I will and I was I will also like predict some of uh, price movements uh, of course I will do that you can basically uh, um, hedge your risks also with predictions like for example if you have a long position in BTC and uh, but you you still think that there is a probability that bitcoin will like enter the beer market or the price will decrease you can always put a prediction on our market uh, and by that you will partially you will be able partially hedging the risks like for example putting a prediction that bitcoin price will fall i hope not anyway thanks for talking to us max really enjoyed it cool i really enjoyed that The Bitcoin Magazine podcast is a BTC media-produced podcast on the Let's Talk Bitcoin network. Today's episode was produced and edited by myself and Dave. Stories this episode come from articles written by Bitcoin Magazine staff, including Peter Chihuahua, Colin Harper, Jimmy Akee, Landon Manning, and Aaron Van Weirdo. Theme music provided by Billy Sly from the Crypto Cantina. Special thanks to our guest, Max Caden, and of course, Satoshi Nakamoto. We are eternally grateful. Visit BitcoinMagazine.com for more in-depth news, analysis, and resources about the most successful peer-to-peer -peer currency. And make sure to follow us on Twitter, at Bitcoin Magazine. You can find more engaging crypto podcasts over at Let'sTalkBitcoin.com. You can follow them on Twitter, at the LTB Network, for all the latest episodes. 
Be sure to subscribe to the show on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast. And if you got the time, please leave us a review. You know how much it helps. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. We'll see you next time. And until then, hold on.